This is Bible Studies for Life Adult Podcast. I'm Chris Johnson. Glad to have you with us today. Along with me today, Lynn Pryor. And uh, we are we are glad to have you here. Chris is the uh, content editor for Senior Adult Materials for Bible Studies for Life. And I am the team leader for kind of leads, uh, kind of corrals the whole group of us together. And it's kind of like herding cats. That's right. With us today is our director. Who herds a lot of cats. <laughs> Ken Braddy. Uh, Ken, welcome. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Lynn. Good to be here with you guys for a second episode. Yes, and this is your first time with us. Ken uh, not only just manages the area that produces ongoing curriculum like Bible Studies for Life, Gospel Project, and Explore the Bible, but Ken is also the director of Sunday School for Lifeway. Uh, he, uh, he represents Sunday School and Bible study, group Bible studies in a phenomenal way. So I'm really glad that you are a manager for that reason, uh, but also for just for joining us for this podcast today. Appreciate the invitation. So what we're going to be doing today is we are uh, in, in the second session of a study called Holy Vocabulary. The idea is that we're looking at some words in Scripture that are really probably common for Christians, especially for those of us who've been in church a long time. But we've discovered that even though this may be a common word, we sometimes have different meanings that we attach to them, uh, different ways that we talk about it. So today is going to be the word lost. Once again, another word that, well, everyone knows what that means. If they're unchurched or if a person hasn't, um, hasn't been around church long, they might really understand what exactly we mean in church in churches uh, with the Bible, how the Bible talks about loss. So we're going to unpack it from a biblical viewpoint. Our new president here at Lifeway, Ben Vendrell, has uh, come to us out of a church plant in Denver, Colorado, and he came to realize that he was encountering a lot of people who didn't understand uh, biblical uh, terminology, something like lost, where we assume everyone knows what that word means. He was bumping into people who were totally confused by that concept, and he's been very beneficial and helpful to us to point out these things so that we don't take for granted Oh, that everybody knows what that word or what that Bible passage is all about. So today we're looking at a, as we look at the word lost, we're using the story of the prodigal son. And one of the things we would encourage and remind you is not everyone knows that story. So don't assume that everyone knows. That's a great point. Go at it just like uh, people are hearing it for the first time. And our hope is that every time we hear the scriptures, there's an element of hearing it for the first time. Uh, or it coming to life for us. I was as I was preparing, I thought to myself about a time in my life when I was actually physically lost, and it brought back a, a lot of of memories. Not all good. Uh, I was a <laughs> part of a camp experience, and we had been told that uh, in this park all of the paths were marked and led back uh, to the main area. Well, I was out walking and uh, didn't have any responsibilities at the time. Thought would explore a little bit. And after a little bit of time, I thought, I don't seem to be getting back to the main area. <laughs> so as it turned out, uh, the, in the park, uh, there were some people who lived near the park had come in with motorbikes and had marked the trails for themselves. And I evidently had gotten off on one of those paths. Mm. So I spent several hours wandering in the woods and finally turned around to go back. Didn't know exactly what that meant because I'd been in a lot of different places. And within about 15 minutes, ran into a park ranger who called me by name, and I was grateful. I was really tired, ached, and it was sore. And 
I, had, I got to hear from friends who talked about their concern for someone that they knew, me, who was lost. They didn't know where he was. They didn't know what had happened. And uh, so it was a, after the fact, it was a good experience and one that, that, that I can identify with a whole lot more because of that experience. And I think what's, what, you look at the icebreaker, there's an opening question in our personal study guides, and it is that question, what was your most memorable experience being lost? Now, we don't want a negative, it's, it's not to be, it's meant to be a kind of a, a fun thing, like Chris, the story you just told, which you can kind of laugh about now. Sure. And, uh, but the idea is that we talk about that to realize there were some times, yeah, we've all been lost. And uh, some of us had those experiences where you thought you were fine, and this happened for me where all of a sudden I realized I'm not where I thought I was. Sure. And I think that gets really gets at the heart of where we're going to be going because we're going to be in the story of the, the parable of the prodigal son, which is which Luke 15. And uh, Chris, I think you made a good point. We should not assume everybody in our group knows the story. So we kind of come at it like it's the first time for all of us to read it. So we are going to look at it in, in kind of three divisions just to kind of unpack the stories we go along. So this is going to be in Luke 15 as we, uh, we talk about this word lost. Uh, this, you know, it's a story of a man. Uh, Jesus tells the story about a man who had two, two sons. And the younger son came and said, Dad, I want my share of the inheritance. Uh, uh, and he was, he was ready to leave and go on his own way. And he did. Yes. Took his inheritance and off he went. And the scripture tells us that uh, he squandered it all in foolish, what the Bible says, foolish living there in verse 13. And then verse 14 says, uh, after he had spent everything, so now he's broke, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. And when I was reading this, it really struck me as uh, a truth that even though, you know, back up in verse 12, he gets his father's inheritance, and evidently, you know, he's loaded, right? He's got, uh, he's got the assets that uh, were going to come to him down the road. Now they've been given to him early. And so from a worldly perspective, I mean, this guy, man, he's— uh, he's got it all. I mean, he's got cash. He's got assets, and uh, and then here at the very end of this passage, uh, it says that he had nothing. He he lost he lost it all. But for me, you know, when you think about it, there are a lot of folks in our groups that are just like that prodigal son that are uh, they're wealthy and they have stuff and they they live in good homes and you know by the world standards, you know, uh, we're a very wealthy country. But it says here that uh, he had nothing, you know, after he lost it all, which is true. But I think he had nothing even when he had something because he had said no to a relationship with his father and he had chosen to move away from his father and to to move to a distant country. And so even though he had wealth because he didn't have his father's relationship, he had nothing. So as, as I listened to you talk, I remember... I have, a, I have a younger brother who uh, said to my father on multiple occasions, <laughs> give it to me now, yeah, Dad. How'd that work out? Hair just didn't work. Yeah. And my, my dad is still alive and in his 90s, so it's a good thing he didn't give it. And, and of course, when, as Jesus told this story, it had a remarkable impact on their culture because basically you didn't get the inheritance uh, until the, the father died. I mean, just you just didn't get it. And so basically this young man is saying, you know, I wish you were dead so I could have that money. Yeah. So there's a sense, even though he was still in the house, his heart was far away. Absolutely. And that's the heart of uh, what we want to see, what Jesus is saying here. 
that, that idea lost. It's, if, yeah, he went to physically live apart from his father. But for us, we're lost when we live apart from God. But then we get to the next section. We're going to pick up in, in verse 17. And I like how Jesus starts this. When he came to his senses. Here's this young man who has had it all, lost it all, and now he's at the bottom. Now, in their culture, now he, he, was, he was feeding the pigs and he was craving what the pigs were eating. In their culture, that was just the grossest thing Jesus could tell a group of Jewish people. Mm -hmm. That this young man is now desiring what pigs, the unclean animal, was having. And to the, he's really trying to paint this young man is really really lost but he came to his senses he did and uh and, uh, and i like this section of scripture right here in the story because you see this very rebellious son who uh, rebelled against his father severed the relationship and off he went and uh, i'm sure jesus original listeners were wondering well i wonder how this story is going to turn out well here in the middle part of the story you find this, this idea of repentance, that if I humble myself, if I, uh, you know, agree, you know, repentance is, you know, uh, is a turning back to God after you've, you've moved away and strayed and, and whatnot. And so here you find a, a very visible picture of a young man who finally w woke up and, and made the decision to turn, to turn back to his father. And it's a, it's a great picture of, of what we have to do. Uh, mm -hmm. spiritually, when we realize we have moved far from God and we don't have that relationship that we should, then our next step is to move back toward our Heavenly Father, back toward that relationship. So there are several places in the Scripture where you, I think you can remind your group members to remember a time when. Remember a time when you were lost. Talked about that earlier. Remember when a time when you were really, really hungry. Can you remember a time where you were going in one direction and realized you're going the wrong way and you turned around to go back? Uh, all of those are, are uh, potentially uh, experiences that people in your group have had. Maybe they would be willing to talk and share about those things. Sure. There is one thing that the writer, the author wrote here. It's, it's, uh, it's in kind of the last paragraph of this section in the personal study guide. He says a lot of people know what it means to be spiritually lost. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the, the young man who realizes I, I'm lost and I'm, I am at rock bottom. He says a lot of people know what it means to be spiritually lost, but they don't know what it means to be found. Hmm. Well, they know I need something in my life. And, uh, of course, that's where we as believers are there to help them. We want to show them Jesus. But here, as we, you kind of move into the third part of this, this parable, we're going to see that the young man comes home. He, he realizes his salvation is his father. But even how he approaches that, he, he has kind of in his own head what he's going to do to, to accomplish that. He's, he decides he's going to go to the father, and he's, he's got in his head everything he's going to say to his dad. So he practices this speech as he's walking home, right. says it over and over again. Right. I just want, you know, in a sense, I want to be, I'll just be a hired hand here. He realizes if he's just, if he's just there in the presence of his father, not as a son, but just even a hired hand, he knows he'd be better off. And he does not realize the great grace he is about to be shown. And I think that's true. We think there are certain things that we have to do to earn salvation, uh, things that we have our perception of what it means to get saved. God's is different. has nothing to do with us. It's all his great grace. That's right. 
So you get the image in this scripture passage that as this boy is go, heading back home, saying this speech over and over again, uh, you get the image that the father uh, is waiting for him, that he is out on the porch looking and hoping that today will be the day his son will come home. Today will be the day he will return. And on that day, he sees him, and uh, the scriptures are again are amazing. Absolutely. In this last section, you, know, you find in here in verses 20 to 24 of, of Luke 15, uh, this phrase that uh, the father saw him and he was filled with compassion. And I believe that there are a lot of people that believe that because of the mistakes that they have made in life and, and uh, the sin that they are, are aware of, uh, that they feel like they are unworthy to approach God, that surely he would not forgive them for all they've done. Uh, there must be something that he won't forgive because they've, you know, they know the depth of their sin. But here you find a great picture of a father who is filled with compassion. And I, I was sitting underneath uh, my first pastor when he preached this, uh, this story, and he made this statement, and maybe you've heard this one before, but he said, uh, the son went home, and then the father cleaned him up. The son didn't have to clean himself up to go home. He came home kind of in a mess, but the father loved him, had compassion, threw his arms around him. Then they cleaned him up. Then they put the robe on him. Then they had the celebration. And, uh, and I would want to remind my group that if anybody, if any one of them or somebody that they know is far from God, uh, that, that he's literally a step away just turn back that he is he's waiting and he is welcoming and he's not condemning and he is willing and ready to show compassion and he wants them to come back and i think this is a beautiful part of that story and you get the idea that he's saying welcome home absolutely welcome home yeah right now with this as, as we talk about this in our groups the, our focus wants to be that just this point without god we are hopelessly lost now there is a a part B to that, and if someone really wants to talk about that, by all means, don't say, we'll just come back next week. But next week, we will build on this as we think about another key word, which is the word salvation. Mm. What does that mean in a biblical sense? And we're going to see the, in a sense, part B of this story, when we realize we're lost, to see everything that God has done for us. This is an amazing story. It has universal appeal. It touches the hearts of people across uh, generations across cultures. Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing what God does as uh, we go to Luke 15 to the story of the prodigal son this week. As I was uh, thinking through all of this, I was reminded of Ernest Hemingway's short story, The Capital of the World. A friend of mine Great story. Uh, did, a, uh, did a Bible study here at Lifeway and used this story. Uh, it tells the story of a father and a son who had strained relationship. Uh, the son, whose name was Paco, had sinned against his father and fled from his home because of his shame. The father, however, loved his son and set out on a journey to search for him. And after looking all over Spain, uh, Paco's father put an ad in a Madrid newspaper that simply said, Paco, meet at Hotel Montana noon Tuesday. All is forgiven, Papa. On Tuesday, the father arrived at Hotel Montana and was shocked at what he saw. 800 boys named Paco had shown up to find forgiveness, hoping the ad was for them. Wow. Yeah.
We do hope you have a good study, and uh, all of us in your groups, uh, do take some time to read and uh, be thinking about some of the questions as, uh, before you get to your group. And now, I'm going to ask if you're a teacher, just kind of hang around with us just for another couple of minutes, uh, because uh, we're, we're going to ask Kim Brady to share another teaching tip with us. But before that, Chris, tell us about the a leader pack that goes with this. So one of the things we have developed to make uh, the experience, the classroom experience, uh, creative for the people in your class and easier for those who are leaders is to create a, a leaders pack that has uh, posters in it. Some of those are, uh, are overviews of the unit. Uh, some of them have uh, tools that you can use uh, for um, interaction with your group. Uh, sometimes there's a map that helps you to locate a location or a place that wouldn't be familiar to the people in your group. Uh, there are usually f at least four or five handouts that you can reproduce to share with your group. So any of these tools might be beneficial for you to use as a, a, as a way to, to make the study uh, come to life and to give some creativity to what you do. All right. Yeah, Ken, want to share with us? I will. There, I want to do two quick tips, uh, one based on something here in the study guide, and that is uh, that our author... Uh, mentions paper roadmaps. Now, these are something I remember. You know, my dad had those in the glove box, and that's how we navigated as kids. You know, you pull it out, and you find your place on the map. and can still get those at the state uh, uh, welcome centers. Yeah, and, uh, and I've even seen them in a few you know, gas stations. They're still, yeah. still around, amazing, with all the GPS on our phones. <laughs> but that's mentioned here in the, uh, uh, in the study guide, the adult study guide, and uh, you might uh, consider picking up a few of those and throwing those on the, you know, a couple on the floor if people come in, or maybe have them on a focal wall, uh, maybe even ask them to go find something on the map. And uh, that could lead into this uh, first section here uh, of, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, uh, if you don't know where you are, you're lost. And so it could be something that would tie directly uh, to this particular study. Second tip, this curriculum is designed and really built around five really, really strong discussion questions. But let's be honest, there are days that our people are just not as talkative as other Sundays, or maybe the question just doesn't hit them, and, uh, and we're having trouble getting them to engage. And so uh, one thing that I like to do with my group is if I sense that happening, uh, I really do want them to talk through these questions. I don't want to spend my time as a group leader just lecturing. I don't want them just listening. I want them to really engage. And so I would recommend that you break your group down quickly into groups of three, maybe four at the very most, and, uh, and ask them to respond to a question that maybe you have thrown out there as the teacher, but they just didn't bite on. But I promise in a smaller group, uh, they, will, they will start talking, and you will see you know, several groups in your room uh, start, uh, you know, livening up and, and really chewing on this dis these discussion questions. So just keep that in your back pocket. If they're not very talkative, break them down into smaller buzz groups, uh, and uh, I think you'll see the conversations increase. Thanks, Ken. And we appreciate you being with us for the, this episode of Bible Studies for Life Adults, and uh, just encourage you to subscribe and uh, be with us uh, next week. So have a great week.